The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be and give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. Yes! Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at keystoriches.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Yay! Third time's a charm! I got to spit it out! You did it. Yes. Welcome to the Keys to Riches. Thank you so much for stopping by. I am she, your purveyor of prosperity, empowering your success today, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's show with the following great features. So first off, Miguel, what key? Take a motion out of the picture, number five, week number five. Yes, week five. So we're clipping through these guys now. So we're about a third of the way. We're a little over a third of the way. Uh, a little over a third. A little right. over a third, based on my math. Uh, yeah, so uh, take emotion out of the picture. So what we're going to learn today is how to keep our passions in perspective. Because we can't eliminate emotion. No. It's not about eliminating the emotion. It's just taking and putting them aside when it comes to successful money management decisions. And if you think about the three amigos and our biological approach to money management... We want to be uh, passionate about making money, but we want to be a little bit more reserved and impartial when making decisions about how to expend that money. So we want to make sure that we're making quality investments and quality expenditures, and that takes keeping our passions in perspective. So we're going to learn about that on today's show. That's what this week's key is all about. We have a great moolah word of the day as we become more of a one world sort of society with technology and its advancements. Um, not only in the technological social sense, but in the professional business sense. So that's what our moolah word has to do with today. And then as we talk about money dramas... Money dramas, money and emotions. You know, you hear so much more about that. You know, there's only one other guy that really talks about the brain and money, and that's John Serif. But a lot of people talk about emotions and money. And they forget about the biological beliefs and responses that are that that allow that emotion to happen. So we're gonna talk about for our, our money drama, we're gonna talk about and break down the process that our brain goes through when it comes to making a decision and why emotions need to be sidelined 
for certain decisions, investments as well as expenditures. Like, there's a word. Uh, uh, disposable income. There we go. Hey. You know, you're a pinch player. Yeah, I am. You know, in a pinch, you were there. I was like that in baseball, a good pinch hitter. So, anyway, so we're, we're going to go through the biology of a decision. We're going to go through the steps. We'll take the three amigos through a step for our money drama so we can see. Um, actually, you know, the the topic will be the red dress on sale. Okay. Or for the man, it's okay. the, the the driver that's on sale, the golf club that's on sale. I bought an iPad Pro the other day. Or for you, the plug-in that's on and sale. I, I did not need an iPad Pro, but I bought it. Yeah. So that's what it is for me. There you go. Toys. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, as our money drama, and and we're going to go through the process uh, that's involved. So you, so I can illustrate what I'm talking about when it comes to, um, uh, so I can illustrate more effectively what I mean by taking emotion out of the picture and and how we sideline on it. Because it's not that we're taking it out of the picture; we're just not bringing it into the picture, and that'll make more sense when we go yeah. through our three amigos process. So the moolah word of the day. Are you ready for some moolah? So today's moolah word of the day is a multisyllabic word. Globalization. Whoa. Five syllables. You hear that a lot these days, huh? Globalization. That's why I thought it would be a great moolah word of the day. Yeah. Globalization is the term for the process of increasing the connectivity and interdependence of the world's markets and businesses. Not independence and not dependence, interdependence, meaning one relies on the other, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So when we think about interdependence, it's a voluntary kind of system. So this process has speeded up dramatically in the last few decades as technological advances make it easier for people to travel, communicate, and do business internationally. Two major recent driving forces are advances in telecommunications infrastructure and the growth of the internet. In general, as economies become more connected to other economies, they have increased opportunity but also increased competition. Thus, as globalization becomes a more and more common feature of world economics, powerful pro-globalization and anti-globalization lobbies have arisen. The pro-globalization lobby, now we're at seven syllables, argues that globalization brings out much increased opportunities for almost everyone and increased competition is a good thing since it makes agents of production more efficient. The two most prominent pro-globalization organizations are the World Trade Organization and the World Economic Forum. The WTO is a pan-governmental entity which currently has 159 members and was set up to formulate a set of rules to govern global trade and capital flows through the process of member consensus and to supervise their member countries to ensure the rules are being followed. The World Economic Forum is a private foundation. It does not have decision-making power, but enjoys a great deal of importance since it has been effective as a powerful networking forum for many of the world's businesses, government, and nonprofit leaders. 
Anti-globalization groups argue that certain groups of people who are deprived in terms of resources are not currently capable of functioning within the increased competitive pressure that will be brought about by allowing their economies to more connected to the rest of the world. Important anti-globalization organizations include environmental groups like Friends of the Earth and Greenpeace, international aid organizations like Oxfam, third world government organizations like the G77. Business organizations and trade unions whose competitiveness is threatened by globalization, like the U.S. textiles and European farm lobby, as well as Australian and U.S. trade union movements. But here's the thing. Now, this is my, you know, uh, parry, if you will. And, you know, how they, you remember, like, the jousting, the little sword fighting thing? Yeah. You know, fencing. You know, you have dodge, parry, that sort of oh. stuff. So uh, my response to the anti-globalization people is, you know, I think about just for the, one of the updates that we did when we went through all of the different Alibabas and all of those different websites, I can't think of the other ones, that are like Amazons for business marketplaces so now see i say i think that's hogwash is what i'm trying to say because now the little guy can contact a manufacturer in a foreign country without having to go there see ratings from other customers on their reliability deliverability all of that stuff and price out products so they can be competitive because let's face it Like, even though Trump wants to bring jobs here or keep jobs here, the reality is we do not want to pay $50 for a $5 t-shirt just so we could say an American made it. Right. I'm sorry. Right. You know, it's just, it is what it is. You know, I don't know if you saw this controversy that's been stirred up, but you know, those make America great again hats were proudly made in the USA and sold for 30 bucks on Trump's website. But made in Taiwan versions for 20 bucks were sold at vendors all over the place. You know, and they were saying, oh, how ironic that is. But Trump had nothing to do with that. Trump's were made in the USA. But why would I pay 30 bucks to say made in the USA when I can spend 20 bucks and still support my cause? You know, I mean, that's what it ultimately became about. I mean, I think there probably are people that will spend a little extra money just to keep the money in the in the country. Yes, but economically it's inefficient. I guess. But, you know, if if you're average Joe, he doesn't care about efficiency and He should because it affects him his wallet. Average Joe should care that a lot of money. That Trump is trying to force companies to do business in not a competitive landscape. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, yeah, it's a it's definitely a Something to it's a great debate, that's for sure. What Trump needs to do is not worry about the jobs, he needs to fix the reason why the jobs are leaving, and he needs to bust up the unions. That is what Trump needs to do. Well, he's going to lower the corporate tax rate, too. Yes, but that's not enough because then once that happens, then the unions are going to ask for more money for their workers. Yeah, well, you know, that's. Again, that's a great debate. I mean, there's so many pros and cons for for these things, you know? Yes. You could talk about unions all day long. Well. 
They they served a purpose once upon a time, but now they've gotten out of hand. Yeah, they they served a purpose. Well, just like so many things in politics. Yeah. I mean, the the initial reason for the law made sense, and and then it— And then it becomes obsolete. And then it became abused and, and, yeah, all those things. Right. So, so there's globalization, but, but my thing is, you know, that all of this has made it easier for some entry level entrepreneur, because let's face it, if your idea has viability in the marketplace, somebody will invest in it. Somebody will make it. Somebody Mm -hmm. will bring it, bring it to fruition. Sure. And for for these organizations to say, oh well, it can't. It's you know, it's it's acing out the little guy. That's hogwash. What aces out the little guy is the little guy isn't really committed to his idea. Because how many times have you thought of something and be like, gosh, wouldn't that be great if you could have this? And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, that was my idea, and you see like that particular pr- piece of whatever your idea in the marketplace. Yeah. You know. It's like, you know, I fought, I try, I had a really cool hair invention, like for a hairstyling thing. And it took me forever. I got a prototype made. Yeah. I made it myself. And so once I figured out how to make it, okay, so I'm like, how do I get this made? All right. And so that's when I had started dating my husband and I just, I I brought it with me. To China, and I couldn't find a female engineer that that understood curling hair. Like these people are like saying, "Oh well, well you could just make it out of this thing and this." Thing. I'm like, "No, that'll melt. You need to do it this way. It can't damage the hair. It's got to have these properties." Blah blah blah. I'm trying to articulate. I can't f- communicate it because the way it was worked, but it got too hot on your fingers, uh-huh. you know. And so um, I was trying to communicate how to make this work. And it could have been like a total like infomercial kind of thing that went nuts and sold like a couple million. And then I wouldn't have cared. Right. You know what I mean? Like I got my idea in the marketplace where I messed up is I didn't apply for the patent. Uh I should have applied for the patent. I never applied for the patent. I don't think it's patented, but my idea is used in another format Uh on another hairstyling device. So I don't know. But so, so somebody figured it out. That you needed a chick engineer that understood a hair curling. Because yeah. <laughs> these men are like, well, we could just do that. I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no. It's not going to work. <laughs> I need a woman or I need a man with long hair that curls it. I need one of those two things. Find me a woman or a man who curls his hair. Yeah. And and then we can get this done. And so it's out there in the marketplace. I mean, and I could push. I could try. I could make another stab at it, make another run at it, you know. And, and try to get it out there because now that I know somebody's figured it out, but so, so it is out there in the market. Yeah, but not in the format that like I had yeah. came up with it. It's used in conjunction with another hairstyling tool. Yeah, but it's not what I came up with. Like, but but they but they got the method to the madness. That's the problem. Is because they because they figured out the the heat conduction factor mm-hmm. that I figured out. Yeah. Um. So. So that's what it is. So someday maybe I'll do it. I don't know. Uh, but now I'm just so lazy. <laughs> I don't even curl my hair. I tie it in a knot at night. I mean, it gets curly in the morning by the morning. So I don't have to mess with yeah. hair curlers anymore. But uh, anyway, so, um, but when I came up with that, that was like 20 years ago. 
I didn't know anybody in China then. Like when I came up with it, it would have been great. It would have been like ripe for the time, you know what I mean, when I came up with it. And if I could have had today's marketplace where I could have taken a photograph of my prototype and shopped it around, because my prototype worked great, because I made it out of copper. Really? Yeah, it conducted heat super well. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. But it burnt your it burned your fingers. Burned your hands, okay. Yeah, that's and and so so but I figured out a way around that too. I figured out a way around that. But um uh but once but I just I couldn't articulate it to the engineers that needed to make the molds and they just weren't getting it still. But anyhow, um so had that global marketplace been around I would have totally been able to likely have gotten my th- my idea out in the marketplace mm-hmm. and would have been a, like a hair toy cajillionaire. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I mean, I think of all these other stupid things like that, those things that spin your hair to braid them and things like that. Like you probably don't even pay attention to that because you're don't. a guy. But you know what I mean? Like they had these hair braiding things that clearly, if you didn't operate it properly, could cause serious damage or rip out your hair. Like all I was doing was making your hair curl faster. Um, you know what comes to mind is the 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 scrunchy thing that you guys scrunchies. You know, little. I mean, I don't know if it would that would that be something that could even be patented. Uh, potentially, I mean, it's just a rubber band with. I, I'm sure it was trademarked more so than patented because um, because the hair tie, the, the little ponytail holder, the little ring yeah. wasn't like, you know, you wouldn't do that. But it, but it's like what Fred says. You know what I mean? You don't have to invent something new. The guy that invented the paperclip made a lot of money. But the guy that came up with the idea to put serrated cuts in it so it gripped the paper wow. is the guy that really made money. Wow. So you, you can just improve upon a product. That, yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, let's get to this week's key, shall we? Take emotion out of the picture. Take emotion out of the picture. This week's Keys to Riches is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Keys to Riches radio listeners by visiting our website at keystoriches.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to over 150,000. Uh, click on the link. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Click on the link for uh, what do we want to do? Start protecting your family's financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. I got distracted by De Niro, the prosperity poochie, and I switched gears into my other commercial. A little out of control today. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't have any more yums. I don't have anything else to give them. So, I'm. I, what do you want? All I have is love in my heart. <laughs> This week's key is our fifth key in the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. And uh, simply put, the Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. We do this one key at a time, one week at a time here at the Keys to Riches radio. And taking motion out of the picture was a key that was inspired by my father. Hmm. My father 
my late father, he has passed. He's no longer with us. My father used to be, he worked for the same company his entire adult life after he got out of the Navy before he passed away. He was a company man through and through. And he was their savior. And what I mean by that is he was the turnaround specialist. So anytime one of their plants, and they did linen supply, uh, was failing or running in the black, they would move him to turn the operations around, evaluate what was going wrong, fix it, and then make that particular location profitable. Then they'd move him on to the next one. And so he became known, he was really good at being the turnaround guy. And, you know, I used to, um, uh, uh, I I always try to hit him up for money because my mother was always broke. And he always, you know, would say money doesn't grow on trees. And, you know, and I'm like, but dad, you're rich. You make all this money. And he's just like, look, you know, he goes, there's, there's a, a problem with, with your idea of, I make a lot of money. And he goes, first uncle Sam, he, you know, they, they, he lived in California. So they had extra Sam. <laughs> in addition to uncle Sam, they had California Sam, who's a real fat Sam. He's fatter than Arizona Sam. He is. And, uh, so California Sam and uncle Sam t- took a big chunk of his money, but he also used to say, you know, um, he's like, look, he's like, I manage millions of dollars every day. I can take a company from the red and put it into the black within three to six months. But don't ask me to balance my own checkbook. Way too much work. Way too much work. And here's the reason why. Because we get emotionally attached to the money we make. Yeah. Because we've invested our blood, sweat, and tears. So the, the most tangible, intangible asset we have is our ability to produce. You know, so our labor is our most tangible, intangible. And even though somebody only remunerates us X amount of money, we feel like it's X times 10 because we've put, we put our heart and soul into it. Yeah. We become emotionally invested into our jobs. And the challenge with that is, is first off, how we have it framed. We think an employer is paying us for our value. And it's never about that. That's why some people never recover from getting fired from a job. And it's not about that at all. An employer pays a position. The position brings a certain level of value to the finished product or service. And so all you are being remunerated for is your portion of that participation in creating that product or service. It's that clean. It's that cut and dry. We like to think that, oh, it's a family run business. Everybody cares about everybody. But ideally, it's not about that. Because just because you love someone doesn't mean you overpay them. I think about the best example, and that was uh, when I read the the Hilton biography, and his one son worked right in the business. His other son went to school and came back and said, when his dad said, okay, here's your starting salary and this, and he did not play favorites. Nepotism was not his deal. And when, when his son said, well, I can't live on that, you know what he said? Then you need to go work somewhere else. 
I, I mean, that's like the best thing he could have done. And you know what his son did? Went and worked someone else and got paid his value. Because where he was, he wasn't, it wasn't about paying his son, you know, more money than everybody else. Everybody right. starts at the same. Right. And for, and, and for Hilton, that's all that position was worth because he had no training. He had no experience. Mm-hmm. And so it forced the other, it forced his son to go out and prove his value that he was worth more. And he needed to find a place to work that offered more. And not because it was him, but because he took a job that that job provided more value to the completed product or service than working at his dad's. And that was the smart thing for everybody. It was a total win-win. You know, and everybody can say, oh, but that's your kid. Well, he's raising his kid right. That was the right thing to do. You know, and eventually his son did return to the family business. But after he made himself successful of his own right, right, outside of his father's wealth and influence, which is huge. Great lesson to teach. Exactly. One of the hardest, though, because we get emotionally engaged. We want to help out our kids. It could probably be the opposite of Trump. Trump. Well, but, you know, um, well, I'm trying to think. Oh, my God. What's the guy's name? I can see his face. Um I can't think of his name. Anyway, uh, super fund manager. Um, he sold out to Wells Fargo for a few billion dollars. Anyway, when his kids went to college, he would not let them work in the business. You, he says, I am not an option. You need to go mm. cut your teeth somewhere else. Yeah. Because this isn't a training ground. <laughs> this is the big leagues. You go learn somewhere else. Yeah. So essentially... What we have to do is be able to keep our passions in perspective. It's not about eliminating emotion, but let's go through the biology of, of a purchase. Okay. And I brought up the red dress, but it can be whatever your like emotionally invested object is. Okay. What happens is when we see the red dress, we think it'll look great on us. It'll impress all our friends if we have it. So we start building up an emotional attachment to it because it's giving us that biological need of our sense of pleasure, right? And what happens when we perceive pleasure? We move toward it, Mm -hmm. right? And so because we're moving toward it and now we've become emotionally engaged because now we've been able to visualize what it's like wearing that dress, how how cool our friends are going to think us. Uh, uh, think of us are making that payment, even though we can't afford it becomes easier to justify because our emotions are getting involved. And what happens is we get caught up in that second floor in our three story building that the three amigos live in. And because our emotions get set off and we've got all these hormones dumping, what happens? What do we know about the three amigos? We can't get to that third floor where Logic Larry can say, now, now, it's too expensive. We can't afford this. So Logic Larry doesn't even get his say because we haven't allowed our thought process to ride the elevator up that high because the emotion gets so big and then it just grows. And so instead of allowing the higher thought we figure out how to justify the purchase because that's what we've done before and that's the pre-programmed behavior. 
to stay in this emotion and satisfy this driver desire, regardless of whether or not it's good for us personally or financially. I, mean, I did that the other day with the with the iPad Pro. I mean, it was just it was so obvious. <laughs> and, I, and, and, the, and it actually did get up to Larry. It oh, it to, did. Uh, and what did Larry say? Larry said, "You don't need this." But then the curmudgeon came up and yeah. said, "Oh, but uh, you'll be but so much be, cooler. It'll, it'll be, so be faster. Cool. You, you can try out the new Apple Pen with it." <laughs> and the, and you were hooked, and you're like, "See, reasons for the cause." And whooshing before yeah. you know it, that plastic was out and down. Yeah, and I'm di- I am disappointed. It's not you know, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, but. Yeah, but I, I don't see you run into the store in the middle of the show to return it either. No, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, the, the good news is it's a probably a better battery and a faster processor, so at some point it'll be worth having, I guess. Okay. Whatever. Yes. Well, but you know what? You're not struggling about whether or not I should pay rent or buy the iPad. Right. I mean, there, there's that's the bottom line. Right. So you. You made an impulse purchase, but it was still with discretionary money. Yeah, and it took me it took me a long time to, to make the decision. It took and that was the word I was looking for, discretionary, not that, just necessarily disposable, but correct. discretionary money. Yeah, that's the word. That so, the so if you'd like to learn more about the Three Amigos uh, model for information processing, please listen to our bonus show from the Keys to Riches from last year. And for more great resources in this key statement, key affirmation, and key action item, please visit our website at Keys to Riches. And for the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm your purveyor of prosperity. Heather Wagon Hall is empowering your success. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagon Halls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.